Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Alright, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're entering November. It's starting to actually feel like fall out here on the West Coast. It's raining these days. Are you getting any rain in Nashville? Uh, no, and today the high was 85 degrees, so I wore okay. a sundress. Okay, well, I wore a sweater. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> well, this week, in addition to what we're feeling, we'll be reviewing The Handmaiden by Korean director Park Chan-wook. Uh, but before we do that, let's introduce ourselves and tell the world who you are and what is your favorite piece of fall media. I'm Sandra Omstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think just kind of as a genre, I love the Halloween episodes of sitcoms because I just, I love Halloween. I love people's costumes. I love seeing all my favorite characters in costumes. I just get a kick out of it. (laughs) Nice. Um, well, my, I'm, I'm Lucas, right? A designer. <laughs> I'm Lucas, right? A designer from the Bay area. Um, and my favorite piece of fall media. Now, as someone who does not actually normally like rom-coms, fall is rom-com season. This is when all of the best rom-coms are set. So you got mail is explicitly a fall movie. I think, even though it takes place over lots of seasons, it, to me, it feels like a fall movie. Um, as well as, um, oh my gosh, yeah, when, as well as When Harry Met Sally. Both of those, to me, feel like autumn movies. Yeah. Um, and that's something I want to watch. So 90s rom-com. I guess Harry Met Sally is like, in the, is that an 80s movie? Or is that a 90s movie? Uh, Feels like a 90s movie. I, I don't know, actually. I'm going to look it up. I think it's 80s. But I could be 89. Wrong. 89. 89. So basically a, a 90s movie. Year because <laughs> it, it feels like 90s in a lot of ways. But Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say between '89 and '92, any rom-com set then is a good fall movie. Well, romance in the fall is such a great thing. When you <laughs> asked this question, I was also considering just different novels that I've read that mm-hmm. like are set in the fall, and you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. walking in romance sweaters, in the fall. It, it's classic. Yep. Ugh, so good. Well, anyway. Let's talk about what we're feeling. Every week, we like to talk about something we've discovered or rediscovered throughout the week. And since it's just the two of us this week, we're throwing out the rule book and bringing two things to the table. So, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? Um, So I'm going to talk about two kind of fairly small pieces of media. They're both free. You can um, finish them very quickly. Um, The first is a web series from Comedy Central called The Honeymoon Tour. This is a web series hosted by comedians Moshe Kasher and Natasha Legero. They're both stand-up comedians that I really, really adore. And the two of them recently got married to each other. And so they did a tour together as stand-ups um, called The Honeymoon Tour, in which I imagine they both did their stand-up routines. And then they also had a section where they would invite couples to the stage to talk about an issue that they're having in their relationship. And then Natasha and Moshe decided, try to like on stage, um, help them work out this issue using comedy. Uh, This web series also has, you know, pieces of just Natasha and Moshe being on the road together and talking about their own relationship and talking about their careers. Um, Because I love these guys so much, I've always loved them as a couple. And this little web series was just a fun little dose of their brand of humor. Um, I also love romance and relationships. So to see some (laughs) of my favorite comedians talking about relationships with people on stage is always really fun. Uh, In one particular instance, they invited um, just a single guy on stage uh, who his big question was, you know, why do girls like assholes? Uh, The age old question that I think a lot of guys are always asking (laughs) and this was um a piece of their response to him or their interaction with him also i would like to add that you know i kind of liked assholes till i was like 30 so it's gonna take a little bit of time 
to meet someone, you might have to grow up a little bit, you know, and like deal with some women. What, what are you looking for in a woman? I'm just looking to fuck on. <laughs> Why are women, these trifling ass women, all they want is some man that'll use them, abuse them, and bounce. Me, I'm trying to fuck them and leave, but it's a different kind of fucking. And so they're a raunchy group. They're a raunchy couple. They um, have some of my favorite Santa material I've seen is from the two of them. Um, And I just loved getting to like, Mainline, I think there's about eight episodes. They're all on Comedy Central's website and on YouTube. Um, I watched them, and in, they're they're about like five to eight minute long each for each episode. So Super think, digestible. Yeah, watch them all at once. Watch one every day. Um, yeah, it's just a fun little dose of comedy that I recommend. Now, is the honeymoon tour over? Or is this something that they're continually producing right now? I re- I think it's over. I think okay. from what I can tell, because this is just like a little web series, I mm-hmm. think they were going on tour, and mm-hmm. um, they probably got a little dose of cash from Comedy Central to produce these short bits of material. Um, and, you know, if, since they were going to be on tour anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's a lot of fun. It is. I mean, th- this is a weird. This is a weird day. I I, uh, I like rom coms today. I like <laughs> your pick of the week. I, oh. This is not. This is not usual. I yeah. don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the, the fall moon is yep. <laughs> working its magic on Lucas. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and also I would definitely recommend if either Moshe Kasher or Natasha Logero are coming to a town near you to go see them live. Because they're incredibly seasoned and fresh, exciting stand-up comedians. Can we talk about how Moshe's a bad name? Why is that a bad name? Moshe? Yeah. What's the Moshe's a terrible name. Why? I don't like it. <laughs> you just don't like the it's, way it sounds? I don't I don't like the sound of it. I'm not like when it, when you say a name, I want to picture a person. And when I say the word Moshe, First off, when you say a word, it should be a name. Like, when you say somebody's name, people should automatically think, that is a person. And I don't associate the na- the thing, the word Moshe, with a person. Well, maybe you just don't know enough Jewish people, Lucas. <laughs> maybe that's true. <laughs> is, it a, is it a Jewish name? Like, yeah. is it a, like a, is it, it's a common Jewish name? Well, I don't know if common. I actually don't know a lot of Jewish people, so I can't tell you whether it's <laughs> common or not. But I do know that it's a Jewish name. <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. I'll backtrack. I'll backtrack. Moshe is perfectly fine as a name. I'm not offending anyone. Yeah. Um, and here's, I would also, this is, okay, this is not a pick. This is just a side recommendation when we're, while we're on the topic. Moshe we Kasher, already broke the rules. I know, you can do I know. Whatever you we're want going now. hog wild today. Um, Moshe Kasher has um, a memoir called Casher in the Rye that is a really, really great book. He has this fascinating childhood. Um, his Both of his parents are deaf, and he they were split up across the country. His, so his dad is in New York, and his mom was in California. He grew up in Oakland. He has, like, just so many different backgrounds, and um, he was in rehab by the time he was 16. Um, it's just like a really fascinating story from a very funny person. So I would highly recommend his book as well. Well, now I feel terrible for making fun of his name. I mean, you're kind of a terrible person. So I well. guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if the shoe fits. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, to be fair to you, Lucas, I had never heard the name of Moshe before I became like a fan of this comedian. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I'm yeah. back on board. It's okay. a weird name. um my other pick that i have okay before i talk about this pick i kind of just want to address something we don't really know what our audience looks like for this podcast is that fair to say like we know some of our friends and family that listen and we have had a few listeners like reach out to us on twitter so we know like you know a few people but i would say we have assumptions about who our audience sure. is. Sure. Right. But we don't yes. have a lot of data or anything. Correct. Like, Correct. You know, the people that listen to our podcast are of this gender and this age range and this sexual orientation and Correct. Um, or these interests. So sometimes I make picks 
And I don't know if anyone appreciates them. And that's fine because I love them. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't know if I'm speaking to my own people or not. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it makes sense. Definitely. <laughs> like, sometimes I wonder if it's all Lucas's out there. Like, just listening to our <laughs> podcast. I hope the world is not all Lucas's. <laughs> and, and like, every time I have a recommendation, they're just like, oh, this one again. You know? So yeah, yeah. this week's recommendation, or my second recommendation, might fall into that category. So this is going to be especially Sandra. It's, it is. It is <laughs> very Sandra, let me tell okay. you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a webcomic, and I'm not a big comic person, I should say that, um, called Check, Please. It's hosted on Tumblr. To read the, web, the webcomic, you can go to omgcheckplease.tumblr.com. And it is a webcomic about um, a freshman boy who gets to college and joins his college hockey team. And it's just about him um, becoming friends with this hockey team, this hockey team, like, building community with each other. And it's also, like, a gay love story. And it's the only word I have to describe this comic is just cute. It's excessively cute. It's filled with just like really adorable characters um, that are all what I like to call like a soft bro. Like they're all bros, but they're super respectful and like loving towards each other and really like nice and funny and and kind. And, um, and so it's just about like a group of these bros that are like really good friends and they all play hockey together. And uh, I, haven't he- I've heard a bunch about this comic for a while, but I never checked it out because, again, I'm not big into comics. Um, but the subject matter was just too good to resist. And so I read it all in one night. There are three different... It covers his freshman year, his sophomore year, and his junior year so far. So there's three different years worth of storytelling. Um, and it was just a fun thing to like distract myself with this for this time of year and um like I said it's just really sweet and cute so if any of those things interest you um omgcheckplease.tumblr.com um start at the very beginning um I was able to read through the entire blog in a night and you can read just the comic series but if you read through the whole blog um, there's a lot of more fun little bits about the characters that you can learn, um, and more like one-off panel, like jokes. Um, so I would recommend doing that as well. Uh, how did you find this? Just being on Tumblr. How do you find the things that you like? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Mostly, honestly, <laughs> mostly on Tumblr. Tumblr, Tumblr. and podcasts. Um, okay. I, I listen to several pop culture podcasts, and so I usually get recommendations for things like movies and TV shows and um, that kind of stuff on podcasts. And then the more niche things, the more that are like um, like uh, things that deal with like the LGBTQ community or uh, things that are very internet-centric, I find on Tumblr. There you go. Yeah. Tumblr's where it's at, people. It really is. Um, so, Yeah. I, like I said, I don't know if this is something like I don't I would imagine you liking this very much, Lucas. Um, but <laughs> I'm offended. No, you shouldn't be. <laughs> Not even because of subject matter, but more just because of it's just like a cutesy comic. You know what I mean? Right, it's, right, it's, right. There's not like a major plot. There's not. Yeah. Um, it's just really sweet. And mm-hmm. and so, like, I think you just have to be the kind of person that is interested and just. Uh, a really sweet little comic about cute boys. Like that that's it's very much just what this is. Um so if there are any other people that are like, oh they listen and they're like, man, that Sandra girl, she knows what's up. Like she recommends the best rom com. She knows like <laughs> about all like the great like gay media that is going on. Like for those people that are listening, if you're out there, this recommendation is for you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Lucas, what are you feeling? Well, I I am feeling a couple things this week. I the first thing I'm feeling is a website, save the day dot vote. Have you heard of this? Yes. Oh, I've heard I've seen videos from Save the Day, and I yes. see a lot of it on Twitter, but I haven't been to the website yet. I'm yes. lo- logging on right now. Yes. I'm gonna read their their mission statement right now. It says 
We are a short-form digital production company dedicated to the idea that voting is a necessary and heroic act, that every voice in this wonderfully diverse nation should and must be heard, that the only thing that can save democracy is the act that defines it. We are committed to fighting the apathy, cynicism, and honest confusion that keeps citizens from using their vote, and to reminding an increasingly out-of-touch and, com and compromised set of representatives that they are answerable to the people they are hired to serve. Now, that is a is cool in itself, um, but they have a ton of great videos talking about the importance of voting and the impact that it has not only on our country, but the world in general. Um, and this is headed up by the Avengers director and Firefly showrunner, <laughs> Joss Whedon. Um, and he has basically gotten tons of famous people to tell you not to vote for a racist, abusive coward who could permanently damage the fabric of society. This is not, <laughs> this is, there's nothing nonpartisan about this <laughs> entire thing. This is a hundred percent to a purpose. And they're, they're aimed at millennials, but fall into like a PSA box that most millennials haven't really seen before. I think um, for the most part, these are just like, you know, a minute, uh, just little internet videos that I think are, they're what every viral video company i guess wants to be i feel i see you know you see so many videos that are like this, they're trying to make this a viral video right and these videos are viral in nature just automatically um with the amount of famous people behind this that are in these videos uh, but some of them don't have anybody famous at all it is just a um like a, a commercial, just a, a picture of of life um, from this perspective, uh, which I think is really cool. Have you? So you you have watched some of these videos, right? I've definitely watched the big one with all the famous people in it. Yes, the um, first one. And I feel like I've seen another one, but I can't tell you what it was. I'm looking mm -hmm. at their website right now, and there's one that I'm excited to watch with um, <laughs> Bill Hader and Nicole Byer. Uh, I love both of them very much, and so I'm excited to check that one out. It's. They're, they're all really good and really different. They haven't come out with, like, who's directing each one or who's behind, you know, who's written each one. It's just save the day. These are the people who do this. That's all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's really it's really strictly towards the message of go vote. Right. Which you should. Everyone yes. should, should, should go vote. Everyone for sure. definitely needs to go yep. vote. I've already voted. It was really exciting. You're going to be so happy that you did it. I can promise you that. Absolutely. So it's really just getting across that message that every vote does matter and just kind of breaking that down. And um, it's really cool. It's a really cool, cool website and really cool yeah. kind of promotional thing that, that's happening right now that you don't see often. Yeah. I really it, – it, it is a whole genre of media that we only see every four years or so. This whole mm – -hmm. this like voter – um, registration, like people trying to get you to vote. We had Aziz Ansari did one recently. Um, yeah, that was really entertaining, and it's it's great when it's done well. Yeah, it's not often done well. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so it really is. Yeah, it really is cool to see it to see it done really well. Yeah, you know, so. the, you know, the one thing that saddens me about this like w crazy huge push to get everyone to vote is mm -hmm. that it only happens like every four years around presidential races mm -hmm. and people really should be voting all year, every year, local yeah. elections, state elections, like voting is something that is necessary to happen, not just for the president, because there's so many things in our country that like need to be run by officials that are elected. And so I, I do see all this like big media push from celebrities and I wish that that was happening more often, um, for elections that weren't just, um, for presidential reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, th I think, honestly, I think this is the biggest presidential election that most people have seen or will see. Mm -hmm. Um, and are, I think this is a chance to get people actually, if not excited about the voting process, but at least educated enough to, you know, understand how much voting matters and how much it can affect, it can make a difference. Because I feel like a lot of people don't feel like, especially young people don't feel like I'm saying young people as if I'm not one of them, but <laughs> that young people don't feel like their vote matters and that, that it doesn't make a difference. But I think this is the first election cycle that we'll see where people actually start to feel like, okay, 
okay, I can do this. I'm part of the system and we can, we can, we can make change yeah. as a people. The, so. the piece of media that I, for, that I find the most inspiring to get young people to vote is uh, a little scene from an episode of the West Wing where Allison Janney is, her character is CJ Craig is speaking at a rock the vote rally for college mm-hmm. students. Voted today, it's 25 percent. 18 to 24 year olds represent 33 percent of the population, but only account for 7 percent of the voters. Think government isn't about you. How many of you have student loans to pay? Credit card debt. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, I think, the closest thing that we've had to Rock the Vote since Rock the Vote happened is this Save the Day website. Yeah. So check it out. Watch the videos. They're pretty cool. Unless you're voting for Trump, you're probably not going to like these. Um, well, the other thing I'm feeling this week ties in uh, a little bit, at least. (laughs) It's Eddie Izzard's comedy album, Dressed to Kill. Now, I did say comedy album. I did not say stand-up special. And the reason for that is because this took place in 1998. So it was called a comedy album at that point in time. <laughs> but was it? Was there a filmed version? Yeah, there is a filmed version. I have no idea where you can get it. I have the audio um, version of it. But I know. But I, if you go on YouTube, there is a filmed version of it. Right. Just floating around. Um, but I have no idea how that was released or anything like that. But... I, this, uh, this is one of my favorite pieces of comedy ever. And I re-listened to it this week. Um, If you've never heard of Eddie Izzard before, I'm sure you've seen him. He plays Roman, Roman Nagel, 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 whatever on, in Ocean's 11 or Ocean's 12 and 13. Have you seen those? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) He's in a ton of other stuff, but I'm just going to try to drop in as many Ocean's references in every episode from here on out. Always. You know, (laughs) um, but in this album, he talks a lot about being a European and how Americans view history. Uh, and he ends up retelling a lot of European history from their perspective. And I remember listening to this in middle school or maybe early high school or something like that and realizing, oh, as an American, we're not always right. And everyone doesn't always believe the exact same things we do. Um, I always thought of like history as like a reference point. Like these are all facts and everyone believes these facts. Right. Um, and I didn't really you know, contemplate the fact that facts can be interpreted in many different ways. So yes, these things happen, but we see them from this perspective and other people see them from that perspective. Um, but some of the things he talks about are things that I, I never, never just thought of before, like the European union. No, like that as a middle schooler, that never entered my mind (laughs) at all. Um, but, but let me, let me play a clip here. For 18 years, we had a government in Britain who was a right-wing government, and their policy towards Europe was one of... No, 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 I can't... (laughs) Now we've got a government whose policy is much more... Bonjour, hola, tac, da, bang, bang, bang... Britain needs to be in the driving seat of Europe, in the driving seat or in the passenger seat. That's pretty good, you know, because then you can take a sleep for a bit. Are we there yet? You know. uh, at the moment, Britain isn't even in the European car. We're outside the car at the traffic lights going, we're going to clean your windows, all right? Yeah, but just like just things like that, just the way I think you can use comedy a lot as a barometer for um, just a lot of social issues. And I feel like listening to comedians who aren't from the United States is really helpful to see not only how other people view the United States, but just how they view their own countries and how, um, you know, natives feel about things that Americans, you know, either take for granted or just make assumptions about. Um, and I think, I, I just think it's really cool. And he, he was one of the, the first comedians that I listened to that wasn't American. Um, and that kind of started me on, on a road of trying to listen to a bunch of, of stand-up specials from comedians who, um, who aren't from here, and just what their perspective is on on life and living in this world. Yeah, what is Eddie Izzard up to nowadays? Do you have any idea? He runs a ton of marathons. Okay, that is that is what he's doing, and I think he's actually running for office now. That was somewhere. the last I heard. 
Yes. Um, I'm, I am not sure. I haven't listened to his stuff in a long time, but I think he's actually coming out with a new something for Netflix. Okay. Think, which I'd be excited to see. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I have really great. seen Dress to Kill in full, but I know that I've seen clips of Eddie Izzard and I've always enjoyed him. Oh, um, for sure. This makes me wonder, Lucas, are you a big, are you a fan of Russell Brand at all? Um, somewhat. He's on the, I'd say, trashier end of the British comedians, but <laughs> I do listen to his stuff. I, I guess hearing Eddie Izzard, it just makes me realize how much I appreciate um, comedians that have a lot of knowledge, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think of comedians like John Hodgman. Um, yeah, yeah. And obviously John Oliver is one that we have mm-hmm. like here now living yeah. in the U.S., and working, yep. um, and and I would throw Russell Brand in that category. I think he has. I would too. Um, yeah. A lot of knowledge and and is very intelligent about things like government and um, like like social issues. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I I was just wondering. It, hearing Eddie Izzard made me wonder, and I'm not saying that th- he is, but it made me wonder <laughs> if Russell Brand is like today's version of Eddie Izzard. I think he's probably the closest, but I think people don't. I I think from a from a knowledge base, the knowledge base that he has is very similar to the knowledge base that Eddie Izzard has, mm-hmm. um, and I think he's he is doing a good job of educating people about what other people think. Um, but I don't know if people. And again, I wasn't you know super knowledgeable in 1999 about how Eddie Izzard was viewed by people. Right. But I don't know if people have the same respect for Russell Brand as they did for Eddie Izzard. I, I would definitely agree with that but, from what I can tell. Right. Yeah. Right. But listen to both. Make your make your judgments. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. <laughs> well, cool. Let's talk about The Handmaiden. This week, we are discussing The Handmaiden. Now, Sandra, this is something you suggested we watch. I'm going to put 100% put this on you. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I've heard that, that, that Park Chan-wook, the director of Old Boy and uh, Stoker, was coming out with a new movie. But his movies are not usually my cup of tea at all. But oh, I didn't know Everyone that. I've heard, yeah, yeah. I'm not usually a fan of, of his movies. But everyone I've heard talk about The Handmaiden had said it's entirely different from his other stuff. So I'm going to read the description of this movie from the IMDb, just a little info sec here. It says, a woman is hired as a handmaiden to a Japanese heiress, but secretly she's involved in a plot to defraud her. I don't know how much more we can talk about this without divulging stuff, but let's try to keep it as spoiler-free as possible, and then we will dive into spoilers after the spoiler break. Cool? Definitely. So I went into this movie basically knowing nothing. I knew knew the director, I knew his past work, and I knew this was going to be different, but other than that, I knew nothing. Sandra, what did you know going into this? Well, I knew that I loved Stoker. I saw Stoker um, mostly because it was filmed in Nashville, and I was really excited to see, like, this indie movie that I was getting good reviews that was also filmed in Nashville. And I fell in love with that movie. I think it's so stunning. Um, And so when I heard that he was coming out with a new movie and I heard it described as like a lesbian thriller, um, that the, the two of those things got me really excited. Um, (laughs) I don't remember if I saw a trailer or not. I feel like I possibly, I have, but I don't remember what was in that trailer, so I didn't know much about the plot other than um, it was that there were, like, multiple people involved in, like, like a yeah. kind of a web, you know? Um, I've watched the trailer, and it gives absolutely nothing away, which right, is super cool. Right. It's very much just, like, this is what the vibe of this movie is going to be. Right. Um, which I appreciate. So, yeah. yeah, going in, all I knew is that I loved Stoker, and I wanted to see more from this director, and that I was excited about a lesbian thriller. <laughs> okay, so initial thoughts. Initial thoughts um, th- is that I loved this movie. 
it's definitely going to be in my top 10 for the year, like easily. Um, and the biggest thing about this movie that I love is the visual style of it. There are a lot mm-hmm. of things that I like about it, but the visuals of this film like were so stunning. And I, I feel like I'm just as an adult realizing how much I appreciate this like gothic aesthetic and film. And now I need to like go back and like <laughs> reevaluate all my film <laughs> preferences and like watch like a history, like all these movies yeah. to like really enjoy that now. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this movie is just, it's stunning. Um, I was surprised by it throughout and uh, was, yeah, I, I it's left me a little bit speechless because I just saw it a few hours ago. Um, yeah, we both got done watching this movie today. Right, so right. We're, <laughs> we're, it's a fresh, very fresh take. Yeah. Yes. What about you, Lucas? What were some of your initial reactions to this? Okay, so something I didn't know going into it was most of the things, um, but this is uh, based on... It's, it's kind of an adaptation kind of based on a book. Right. It's based on the book Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. So I, I read this book. Really? Um, yeah. I read this book last year, early, or no, earlier this year, actually, um, completely without knowing anything about this movie. And as I started watching this movie, I was like, this is a very similar plot line. How funny. And then as it kept going, I was like, this is, this is a very, very yeah. similar so it turns out it's an it's an adaptation, but <laughs> it's an adaptation, but it's like a very um, different way of telling the story because from what I read, that yeah. book is set in England, and yes. this is set in Korea, and I don't think it has the same ending or the same like the setup. I think is very is the same. Um, correct, correct. Really, the the third act. Um, this movie split up into three parts, um, and really the third act is different. Um, in the book versus versus the movie. Right. But yeah, for me, one of the great things about this was watching the adaptation of how he ch- basically took this very, uh, was it like, uh, like 18, 1800s Britain um, and turned it into like a 1930s Korea. Right. Um, with the Japanese occupation and lots of, as I was talking about that, he lots of history from a place that I don't know a lot about. Right. Um, and just kind of feeding me a lot of that knowledge, which was really, really awesome to hear um, and, and watch. Like you said, the visuals are stunning. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. The cinematography in this movie is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a lot of, switching perspectives um throughout this movie which i loved which is so cool to see as you're seeing something from one character's point of view um you're basically only seeing their face a lot of the time and then um maybe later on the movie you see it from another character's point of view and you're only seeing their face the entire time and it's so cool just to watch um watch their reactions to this so part of what makes this film i think so stunning I mean, obviously the camera work is amazing, but we've got to give props to how incredible the set and the costumes are throughout this film. Yeah. Yep. Costumes and production design, phenomenal. Just phenomenal. They're in this gorgeous estate. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, beautiful house, beautiful rooms. They walk around gardens and um, hallways of trees and just things that every... It was one of those things where it really did feel like another world to, to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yep. I've never been to Korea, so it really was a whole other world to me in a very literal sense. Yeah, I don't I don't I I want to see like a behind the scenes of them making oh, this me too. because I, I want to know about the locations that they were in, these gorgeous locations and and the sets that they were on. I want like I this is a film I want to know so much more about the actual shooting of this um, because of the beauty and the thought behind all of the little pieces of this uh, mm-hmm. of the production in general. It's so great. Yeah. So I do want to before we talk about spoilers, kind of say mm-hmm. some things that I wish I had known going into this movie. Mm-hmm. I wish I had known how long it was. I <laughs> didn't check the runtime before I went in, and the movie's a lot longer than I expected. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I just think 
if you're going to be sitting for a long movie, it's nice to know it before you get it started. Agreed. I don't I don't think it's too long at no, all. No, me either. Um, I'll, I'll, I feel like a lot of people end up saying like, uh, you, you know, this movie justified its screen time or something like that. I... I feel like that's too soft a word. I think it was necessary to make it this long. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it it stretched to get to the two and a half hours. I think it could have been a lot longer, actually. Totally. Um, and I and I totally would have loved it and watched it if it were longer. Right. But I th- I think you have to know going into this movie that I'm going to be sitting there for two and a half hours right. watching this. Right. Because as you mentioned, Lucas, this movie is divided into three parts, and. At the end of part one, I forgot about that, and yeah. I thought the movie was over. And <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, that was just part one. That was yeah, – yeah. yep. Yeah. And so um, another thing that I wanted to mention is that, you know, this is filmed in Korea, and all of the dialogue is either, in, is either Korean or Japanese. Um, mm-hmm. And so, of course, so in my theater, there were subtitles throughout the whole film. Yeah. And – I, you know, one thing, I have nothing against films with subtitles, and I'm excited about being able to see films from Mm -hmm. different parts of the world that I normally wouldn't be able to see because of subtitles. Like, I don't have anything against subtitles. I will say that with this film, I was sometimes so heartbroken because everything on the screen is so beautiful that yep. either yep. I wouldn't get to appreciate the picture fully because I was reading the subtitles or I would get mesmerized by the image and then I would miss, miss. dialogue. <laughs> yeah. The, I did the exact same thing. Right. There were so many points where it was like, uh, I hate that I'm having to focus on these words right now because there's beautiful stuff on the screen. I know. <laughs> I know. So it really made me wish that this, I could have, for this first screening, focused only on the subtitles because the plot is fascinating, I think, in this movie. There are, mm-hmm. I, there are sometimes when I watch films with subtitles and the plot is very simple and it's just kind of like, you know, the, like you need to read the subtitles, but there, right. you can still kind of get what's going on if you don't, if you miss, sub, if you miss some subtitles. With yes. this film, I would say the plot is really, you want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wish I would have focused just on the subtitles this time and then watched it again and just appreciated the visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Definitely. a film that I plan on buying in the highest possible like <laughs> form I can and rewatching it for like to rewatch it as a movie. But then also mm-hmm. maybe even just like putting it on my TV to just have on like to have those visuals just on my TV Um, Mm -hmm. because I thought it was so great to look at. Yeah. So two, two things I do want to talk about with, with this movie before we get into spoilers. Mm -hmm. The the first one is the content itself. I overall, I am not a huge fan of R rated movies in general because to me, it usually feels like overkill. I feel like not necessarily that it's unnecessary, you know, violence or gratuitous sex or something like that, but just that, like, it doesn't benefit the story itself. Mm-hmm. I understand that there are times when, when, when it does work, and that's great. Um, and I, but I feel like for the most part, an R rated film is just to be as gratuitous as they want. Um, this film, I feel like, stretched that a bit. I feel, I feel like, obviously, there's. Like like you said, it's a it's it's a lesbian love story. So, you know, whatever. But it's go- like I feel like I feel like there's too much. Yeah. Too much nudity and from a male gaze like it to me, it didn't it, it, it didn't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I think no. I think it walks a fine line um, it, for I would warn people this movie is a hard R like. The hardest of ours that you can give yeah. a movie. This is that movie. Um, yep. And so I wasn't bothered by most of it. There was one scene in particular that had me rolling my eyes. <laughs> and we can get into that in spoilers. Yeah. Um, although yeah. if any, you can probably guess what I mean by that. <laughs> um, yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're someone who knows about like, how lesbians are often depicted in film and television. <laughs> like, um, so I would, I would agree with you in, 
to an extent with that, Lucas, throughout the film, it didn't bother me. You know what I mean? Just that one scene in particular had mm-hmm. me, you know, just like, ugh, you kind of ruined yeah. what was such an amazing experience for you with just this one scene. Um, but the rest of it, even though it was incredibly graphic, I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing mm-hmm. is Oscar chances with this movie. Oh, uh, Yeah. What are your thoughts? What do you think? Well, I mean, I really hope it gets nominated and possibly wins Best Cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know enough about Oscar rules about, like, would this count as a foreign film for, like, the foreign film category? Yes. So here we go. I will I will dive into that real quick. Yeah. So the because the Oscars are very, very American, um, the country itself has to nominate which film they're submitting right. for for their their foreign film. Um, now, this is a South Korean movie, so South Korea would have to choose it. Um, right now, the government of South Korea is not a huge fan of this movie. Mm. Um, so it's very unlikely that they will choose it. But it can still get nominated in other categories besides right. foreign language film, right? Um, which is super sad because I do feel like I do feel like it would uh, it would blow that that category out of the water if they did nominate it. Absolutely. Um, but I think I think it can get enough traction to maybe look at you know cinematography or production design or costumes. Oh yeah, absolutely um, costumes. Yeah, I, I I think enough people will see this that will get voters talking about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that hopefully by the time Oscars roll around that people are still watching it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I, I don't see it getting nominated in anything other than like cinematography or, or a costume mm-hmm. or, or, or production. Um, but I would hope it would get nominated in all those things because it would easily deserve them. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Oh, one other thing I guess I would say before we get into spoilers is that um, this movie is very intense and it's very much a drama, but I was surprised by how often I laughed during this movie. Um, yeah. I think there are a lot of small wry moments of humor that, uh, just really got me. And, uh, definitely a lot of visual humor. Um, I, I just was very taken aback in a, in a pleasant way by the times mm-hmm. of how much I got to laugh during it. Yeah, it all, all the comedy bits felt very natural, mm-hmm. um, and all of them were coming from the actresses. I don't think the, the male performers no, no, no. Um, had any jokes at all. Yeah. But, <laughs> the, the only things but, I, at times I think I laughed were when I was laughing at how – like if they did something particularly awful, you know, and it was just kind of yeah, like, com- right. <laughs> like not not in an extreme way, but almost comical right. at how horrible they were. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I was very surprised, especially based on you know his past work. Mm-hmm. Um, not 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 a lot of funny stuff there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. This I I was yeah I was really surprised at how well one how well he adapted the script. And how he was able to, you know, mix in a lot of this content that's not his normal, <laughs> his normal stuff. He doesn't do a lot of comedy. He doesn't do, I mean, he, he did Stoker with a female protagonist, but that's not his kind of go-to mm-hmm. um, for the most part. But uh, he does a really great job with it. I was, yeah. I was, as I was, as I, when I got to the point that I realized it was an adaptation and I realized that he was doing a movie with female protagonists. Um, I, I got nervous. I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is something that should be directed by a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and overall, I think overall, I think he did, he did a great job. Yeah. So we would, I think he, I think there, I think he had a lot of flaws in it, but, um, but I think, I think he did a great job. So would you recommend people go see this movie? I would recommend, I, this is hard. This is hard. <laughs> I would recommend understanding what you're getting yourself into mm-hmm. with the length, with the subject matter, with the with the director itself, I guess. I, well, I actually I take that back. I take that back. For this film, you don't need to you don't need to know the director. You don't need to know any of his past work or anything like that. I think you need to know about the length. I think you know about the need to know the content matter mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. But I would I and then, if you're comfortable with those things, I would recommend watching this film. Yeah. 
I would highly recommend it. Um, I would highly recommend going seeing it on a big screen because mm-hmm. these visuals are worth it. Definitely, definitely, watch it on a big screen. This is this is a movie. There there are very few movies throughout the year that I would recommend watching on a big screen mm-hmm. because of how comfortable it is to watch things at home. Um, but one, I think I think these visuals will not stand out as much. At home, I think I think a lot of the visuals are very subtle um, and need that big screen presence um, to kind of come across. Uh, I haven't watched it at home, but we'll see. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll be very interested to see how this comes across, you know, watching it on a, you know, 40 inch screen mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, a theater. But mm-hmm. so. All right. All right. Let's do it. Let's talk about spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, well, let me just say, I, like we said, we didn't, I didn't know, so I didn't know going into it how many parts there would be to this film. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. The, when the movie starts on the screen, it says part one, so you know that there's at least mm-hmm. two. Um, right. But... When part one ended, my mind was blown. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Um, and I, because I, by that time I had forgotten about the fact that there was a part one. And when part two started, I just got so excited about the fact that there was so much more of this movie and that we were mm-hmm. going to get to t- tell this whole other story from the point of view of um, Hideko. Is that, is that the name? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, part one is so long yes, too. Part one so is you really kind of forget long. you forget you're in a part right. and then it ends and you're like, Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> and I also loved the line that part ended part one ended on, where it says, you know, you think she's so nice, but she's actually a rotten bitch. And so yeah. that got me really ex- I love a good bitch in a movie, let yep. me tell you. <laughs> and so that got me really excited for what this character was actually like that we were going to get to see now. Uh, yeah, because you meet this character and you follow her for, what, like an hour? Over an hour. Right. Um, and then and you th- and and she then, doesn't have a ton of personality or no, no, she's not very, very aggressive or like she doesn't stand up for herself. Mm-mm. And and then she, and then she laughs at the end. She gives that one little laugh and you yeah. like, oh, my goodness, this is completely you're starting over. You're completely just starting over with this character. Yeah. You've wiped this slate clean and you have to basically start back at where we were right. at the beginning of the movie and watch that again, all that content again. From her perspective, which is so cool. Yeah. So another thing I loved about this movie that I didn't want to mention before we got into spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> is that I love, love movies about thieves and con artists. So Agreed. When, Agreed. Yeah. So when the movie started and Suki is ta- – starts talking about how she comes from this like ragtag sort of family of thieves mm-hmm. and forgers – I was pumped already. I was like, yes, I love thieves. So Uh that got me really excited. And then to find out that this whole movie is about all these different people playing different cons on each other. Yes. I was so excited that that's the movie I was getting myself into. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's one of those movies that like you can't set this up like you can't right. tell people that's what's happening that's what you're gonna watch um because it completely ruins it but yeah it's it's fantastic and in, in the book version i'm all i'm gonna reference sure. fingers so fingersmith is a pickpocket a con con artist um is what what that title means um and in the book you spend a lot more time with her I'm air quotes family mm-hmm. um, of thieves and stuff like that, which is which I liked in the book. Um, but now that I watch the real watch the movie, I'm realizing that how unnecessary it is. Right. <laughs> um, that, like how much you can cut that out without changing the story at all, um, which was great. Yeah. Um. I also I really loved this romance between these two women. Um. The scene where Suki is like, 
finds out about all the erotic readings that Hideko has had to do, and uh-huh. she gets this fury in her about like what she what like this l- woman she loves has been put through, and they just like destroy all the books together. Man, uh-huh. that scene had me so emotional. I was just so excited about like this passion between the two of them and like how much they want to protect each other. And I loved that line at the end of that of at the end of part two, or it might not been the end of part two, but when at least in that scene, when Hideko says, you know, like this pickpocket, this thieve, this warrior mm-hmm. who saved my life, like, oh, yeah, that just had me. That really got me. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The, the there's so much revealed just kind of slowly over time. And when, when we basically find out that this girl has been basically ab- abused her entire life yeah. and like that and happens almost doing like a form of sex work, essentially forced to do sex. Oh work. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, as, and like, we don't find out that stuff until so far into the movie and we've already had to reset on who we thought this character was. Um, For me, that is just such a powerful commentary on the assumptions we make about people Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we meet and everything like that. Um, And even like, even the other characters that end up, you know, swapping and um, are also playing cons and that we, we learn more of their backstory later on, like that kind of stuff it was so powerful to me because I feel like every movie we watch is we're going to set up the characters at the beginning. You're going to find out who they are. And then based on what you know, their actions will, or you'll, you'll be able to dictate their actions based on that. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, we're just constantly starting over. Right. Um, and like, that's a, a big theme throughout this whole movie is not just like these characters playing cons on each other and kind of hiding what their intentions are, who, the, what their identities are. But then, like the overarching theme, which wasn't as important to me because I don't understand these cultures well, well enough, but was mm-hmm. just like people from different cultures <clears throat> pretending to be different people. And so like people who are Korean trying to become Japanese in a way or mm-hmm. like pretending to be Japanese and like what those status symbols meant to, to them because of the time and place they were in. Yeah, basically, so you have four Korean characters as the main the main four characters. Is the is the is Hideko Korean? I I feel like yes. Okay. Yes, but everyone's pretending to be Japanese except for the uh, well, what's her name? The main girl, the pickpocket. Right. Um, everyone else is pretending to be Japanese or wants to be Japanese, which is such an interesting dynamic yeah. <laughs> added on to this movie. Right. <laughs> No. Um, I was also really surprised by some of the horrors that we that cut that are revealed later on. Mm -hmm. Um, you know when she goes down to the basement and they don't show what's in the basement. Right. That was just so unsettling, knowing that it was like so terrifying to her, and we don't know what why specifically. Um. Yeah. That's that's that that it itself is very Park Chan-wook. Yeah. That is that is very. Yeah. And then to find <laughs> out at him. the end like why that basement was so terrifying. Um when <laughs> when we left the theater, the person I saw the film with said, you know, they were like, "Oh, that octopus was so cool. I wish we could have seen more of that octopus throughout the film." And I kind of agree because I think octopus like are cool, <laughs> but I also was like very nervous mm. about what that oct- the purpose of that octopus was right. down there. Yeah, and so yeah. I would have preferred if like at just some point like he had an octopus in his house, like that as just scenery. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Just... But having it in his like torture chamber Ugh, dungeon, whatever, like is a very so weird place. To... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so. You were talking. You mentioned the male gaze earlier, Lucas. Mm-hmm. Do you want to elaborate yeah. on what you let's, meant by that? Let's do it. Let's get into the sex. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that this is, I mean, like you said, this is a a lesbian story, 
and I am not necessarily uncomfortable, but I'm uh, I'm wary of a man trying like wanting to direct that. Yeah. Um, I feel like, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't feel like he did a bad job. I just feel like, I feel like, he, I feel like he's bringing in baggage. No matter what, he's bringing in baggage to filming a lesbian movie. Mm-hmm. And that felt, I one, I don't think it was necessary to have as many or as long of sex scenes as were in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also felt like the way, the way it was filmed was extremely gratuitous. It wasn't necessary to the plot and it didn't necessarily i guess it didn't inform on their relationship it was just like and i guess they're having sex Mm -hmm. so which is a very i feel like male director thing to do (laughs) yeah i i totally get where you're coming from i i would say i nudity is almost never an issue for me in films because i love a good like erotic thriller and so I, I'm almost never going to be the one that'd be like, oh, that sex scene was so long. Am I right? You know, <laughs> um, I'm going to appreciate what I can get kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so I felt the same way about most of the nudity in this film where I'm a big fan of nudity in films. And so this film was no different. And I, I do think that it's a very, um, if someone felt like you or someone else felt like, oh, mm-hmm. this is so for like this is so unnecessary, I I don't I think you have a, a a case to make in that sense. Yeah. But I personally wasn't bothered by it. Um, yeah. As far as a male directing a lesbian story, I think you're right in that they're coming to this story with certain conceptions about what lesbian sex looks like. That unless they are getting a lot of education from actual women that have sex with each other, um, I, you know, I, and I, and maybe, and maybe those, maybe he had, maybe he sat down with someone was like, what does this sex scene actually look like? But I feel like he didn't because there's a whole (laughs) scissoring section to this sex scene. And from what I can tell, scissoring is a thing that happens in porn and in male directed lesbian stories. And so <laughs> so as soon as that became part of the sex scene, I just started to roll my eyes because <laughs> it just d- didn't feel like it was made by someone who understood what sex between women would be like. Um so that being said, there were a lot of aspects to the nudity and the sexuality that I thought was really beautiful and exciting. I would say that bath scene was really engaging. Um, oh, yeah. And so, like, sometimes I feel like he got it really right. And then other times it was a little bit of a mess. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I feel like, I feel like I feel like nudity in, in movies and TV can be extremely effective when used well. Um, when I've, I've said gratuitous more times today than I, <laughs> I think I've ever said in my life. But I feel like most of the time what we end up seeing is, I guess, trying to trying to stimulate the audience as opposed to trying to inform the story. And that's, that's what I want. All I want is you to only put in the movie what informs the story. And that goes outside of sex. That goes out of dialogue, comedy, everything. Mm-hmm. I only want what you're doing to make the film better for the story. And I feel like when we get into sex, everyone jumps off that train super early. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a problem with movies putting in extra things that are just fun and stimulating. Um, I, I mean, obviously there are some times when it's like overkill, but yeah. as a general rule, I, that doesn't bother me. Um, I would have definitely preferred if this we could have had the camera for those scenes be held by someone like by a woman. I I think that would have yeah. really yeah, I think made us feel more comfortable and also been more accurate and emotional and real. Um mm-hmm. but that being said, I loved everything else about the storytelling of this film and 
his style and his, you know, screenwriting for the rest of the film. So, you know, yeah, you, you win some, you lose some, I guess, is what I, yeah. is what I come down to in it. Well, for me, this is like, this, this is the story of a girl who is basically used by men. Objectified. To be, objectified by men um, and basically told, told how sex works by men. Right. And then to have this movie (laughs) be telling us, well, this is how a lesbian relationship works by a man to me feels like, ah, I don't, you're right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, it's not taking its own lesson to heart. (laughs) Right. Right. But uh, I mean, all that to say, and we've praised this movie a ton, but these are just like the little like nitpicks that are like in my head as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, right. But a guy's directing this. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, and while all of the sex scenes were had a lot of female nudity in them, I mm-hmm. did appreciate um, that the lack of sex scenes between men and women in this film. Um, mm-hmm. The only ones that, you know, happen are like, you know, leading up to like a con or of some sort, you know? And yeah. so um, I, I don't know that just, I feel like, so often in media, we have to see like lesbians having sex with men when they don't want to, you know, Yeah. or yeah. just out of convenience or, or for whatever reason. And I appreciated a love story between two women where we didn't have to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or when they were being treated as sexual objects by men, it was definitely shown as like a form of abuse and not like, a thing that like lesbians will try to do. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I was very taken. I was very taken by like, not only the fact that it's like a love story between two women, but it's a love story between two like conniving um, women. (laughs) And I love, I love love stories about conniving people in general. Like (laughs) you love conniving people in general. (laughs) I mean, in fiction for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, that's, you know, I think one of the reasons, like, you know, we both love the show, You're the Worst. And I think mm-hmm. love stories between very complex, flawed, vicious people are so fun to watch. Um, and so this is, I think, a really interesting take on that genre. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's talk about the ending. Okay. Let's just talk about how it ended. The th- basically, the whole, all, the whole third act. Um. So for me, once I realized that this was an adaptation, right. <laughs> I kept waiting for this third act to drop. Um, and the third act is completely changed from the book, which I really enjoy because I did not like the third act of the book at all. Yeah, I read the Wikipedia summary of the book when I got oh, you home. Did? Yes. And it seemed like that was like, oh, that's a weird ending. <laughs> very, very weird, weird ending. So basically in the in the book, um, the... Spoilers for the book. The con- <laughs> yeah, spoilers for the book the con the con family whatever is is in on it and they um they they the the women weren't in on it together right which is my both, favorite part of this movie yeah in, in the book both women get fooled by the con artist yes yes and and that that i think is the power of this movie is having them work together in the end yeah. against him, which I th- I thought was a fantastic way to to change this <laughs> this script around. So you know what surprised me a little bit about just and this isn't a big deal, but about the way they edited the film is that the end of part two is them getting their plan together. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And. I I guess it I think something that would be more like traditional might have been to have the end of part two just be um that scene where like she slaps Suki and then like is feels yeah. betrayed. Yep. Um and so then and then part three is when we realize that they have planned together. Mm-hmm. Right. And see how that turns out. I guess I yeah. guess just the fact that like part two um ending with us realizing they were working together instead instead of having a new surprise in part three was just yeah. interesting to me. And I just also just love the overarching theme of like women are pitted against each other in society and look what can happen when you 
stop fighting each other and work together and <laughs> you mm-hmm. know that yep. just as like a very overarching message i appreciate mm-hmm. i definitely think like this this is a movie that i feel like people should have conversations about yeah like i don't think it's a movie you should just watch and then move on i think it's a movie that you should talk about with other people because i think there's there's tons of stuff in this movie um that that men won't get that um will kind of just be skipped over if you just watch it and move Mm on um that uh you might not understand i feel like this movie needs to have a conversation included with it yeah (laughs) so i encourage you if you watch it talk to somebody about it especially because because it's subtitled and there's a lot to try to take in. That's um, true, yeah. Like, you know, my friend and I, when, when we left the theater, had to, like, kind of talk through, like, some of those plot points and mm-hmm. make sure, like, we both understood everything that happened. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad we did yeah, it. me too. I'm glad we watched it. That was really good. Really great. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Go see it. I, I plan on watching it many times with different people. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, I guess that wraps it up. Um, so, until next week... Where can people find you, Sandra? I'm at Sandra Amstutz on all social media accounts. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Go follow me on Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. Those are my big three. And I'm Lucas Wright. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Lucas and Stuff. Oh, and uh, you can find all of us when we're all together on Twitter at Feeling It Pod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Feeling It Pod. And if you have questions or concerns, or anything else that you want to talk to us about, you can also email us directly at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Totally. Or message us on Twitter privately if you have something, like, longer to say. That is true. And that's more convenient yeah. for you. Also... Basically, if there's any way you want to get a hold of us, you can do sure. it. Sure. <laughs> also, if you are a listener and um, you're like, oh, no, Sandra... I am one of your people like that you were worried about wasn't there. Let me know so that I know to keep recommending stuff like Check, Please and other like cutesy rom-com slash gay stuff. (laughs) Alrighty. All right. Cool. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 